You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. us will and have and are now facing horrible, frightening circumstances. We're not immune to trouble. The disciples weren't immune to trouble. They faced all kinds of fearful trouble. They faced tax collectors without money. They crossed the lake in the midst of the storm. They were placed in a wilderness where the multitude didn't have anything to eat. In each case, they used all their human resources, but that was insufficient. Christ was with them, and He was the only resource that they needed. When you try to do everything in your own power or in pride to show off or when you simply can't face the opposition you're coming up against, look no further than Jesus. As Pastor Dave is going to show you in today's message, God is the ultimate source of any amount of courage you do or will ever need. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of Acts chapter 23 as he continues his message, Take Courage. was so sure of himself. He was so sure that he was supposed to go to Jerusalem that he even resisted the prompting of the Holy Spirit. He even resisted the advice of his friends who were led by the Holy Spirit and tried to persuade him not to go. But he went, and he got there. And after three riots, almost being scourged by the Roman soldiers, a trial where he insulted the high priest and divided the council, he is a prisoner in a dark cell awaiting who knows what. Possibly execution. Was anything accomplished because everything that Paul did in Jerusalem seemed to fail? It seemed to fail and fall flat. I'm sure Paul was second-guessing himself. Maybe they were right. Maybe I shouldn't have come. I can't believe I insulted the high priest. What was I thinking? What kind of witness was that? I'm through. I'm a failure, Lord. I'm sorry. How, How can I make such a mistake? How can you trust me in any further ministry? I can't even hear the voice of the Holy Spirit and differentiate between that and my own desires. How can you use me any longer? Has anybody ever felt like that? I have. I've felt like that many times. Maybe I've made a bad choice. Maybe I've said something wrong. Maybe I had an opportunity to witness to someone, maybe a family member. Maybe you've tried something that you thought the Lord was showing you to do and you fell flat on your face. How can the Lord ever use me again? I'm through. And you start to drift off into state of self-pity. And then you start having a pity party and woe is me. I'm going to go outside and eat worms and die. And you have your pity party. You see, discouragement is one of the favorite weapons of our enemy. Oh, he loves to discourage you. He loves to take your nose and rub it into every single one of your mistakes. He loves to do that. He wants to get your eyes off the prize of Jesus Christ and the hope of eternal life, and he wants you to look at your circumstances. 
He wants you to look at the hurt you're going through or look at the people who hurt you or the people you hurt. Take courage, Christian. Take courage, Christian. Why do we take our eyes off of Christ in the midst of hard times? In the midst of hard times, the first thing you want to get rid of is fellowship. In the midst of hard times, the first thing you say is, I'm not going to church. I don't want to go to church. You know, our buddy Peter, everybody likes to talk about Peter. Sometimes he gets a bad rap. But you know, Peter was pretty cool. You remember when he's walking on water? Every time, when he stepped out of the boat that time and he walked on water, and as long as he had his eyes fixed on Jesus Christ, he was fine. He walked on water. But all of a sudden, he looked down, and he saw the waves lapping at his feet, and he felt the wind. He took his eyes off Christ, put his eyes on the circumstances. <gasps> he sank. Take courage, Christian. Take courage, Christian. Paul's sitting in his cell. Was he trying to figure out God's plan? I don't know about you, but I'm always trying to figure out God's plan. I'm always trying to figure out, God, what are you up to? I think it should work this way. I think it should work that way. This is what I think. Was Paul thinking about what the Lord told Ananias in Acts 9, 15? When the Lord told Ananias, but the Lord said to him, Ananias, go for he, Paul, is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. Was Paul arguing with the Lord? Lord, you told me that I was going to be a witness to the Gentiles. I did that and look at the fruit. Lord, you told me I was going to be a witness to the Jews. I did that and it didn't turn out so well. I guess I'll never be a witness to kings. I guess I blew that. My ministry is over. They're probably going to come any minute and cut my head off. Or did Paul replay the events in his mind? I know you've never done that, but I have a habit of replaying all the bad things in my mind over and over of the things I've done. I replay all these bad events. I, was Paul arguing with himself? The church leaders lied about me. Yeah, they did. They lied about me. And where are they? Not one of them came to my defense. And those crazy fanatics, those legalist Judaizers, everywhere I go, there they are. Riot after riot after riot. And they want to kill me. Why? Why won't they believe, Lord? Why won't they believe? And the Roman government, they don't know what to do with me. One minute they want to scourge me, and the next minute they're my best friends. I don't understand what's going on. Have you ever felt completely alone? Have you ever felt like, ladies and gentlemen, the Lord has left the building? Have you ever felt like that? It can get really, really dark in times of discouragement, and you can slide off the end into a depression. You can slide off the end into despair like that in a heartbeat. But this is when the Lord comes. This is when the Lord comes right to be beside you. When you're at your weakest point, when you can't take a single more, he shows up. When you can't take one more minute, one more part of agony, he shows up in your life somehow, some way. Just when things are darkest, the Lord appears. What did the psalmist say in Psalm 30, verse 9? Weeping endures for a night, but joy comes in the morning. When that morning light comes up, there's joy. The Lord appears to the Apostle Paul and he gives him hope. The Lord appears in person this time. Remember, the last time he had a dream. He had a trance or a vision. This time the Lord is physically there. He's physically beside the Apostle. It's so much our, like our Lord to appear in the midst of our darkest circumstances. As I said, he appears just when you need him most. He wants us to focus on him and not our circumstances. For he is our hope. 
The Lord loves to encourage his saints. He loves to help them stand strong in the face of adversity. That's what he loves to do. So now the Lord appears to Paul in a Jerusalem cell. And as I look at this one verse, I can glean from it four things. I can glean from it four things. How the Lord encouraged the apostle. The first thing I see is the Lord's timing. The Lord's timing. As we look at verse 11, it says the following night. It's interesting to me that the NASB version says on the night immediately following, and they give emphasis to the word immediately, and I think that's cool because to me, it means there's an urgency there. The Lord knew he had to get there. The Lord knew he would be there. He knew how rejected the apostle was. He knew that he was slipping into depression. The Lord knew that he wasn't finished with Paul too. He knew he still had work for Paul to do. He wanted to get him down the road. He wanted to take his eyes and tune them into something better. He wanted to get his eyes on something else. Some of you may ask, why did the Lord wait so long to appear to the Apostle Paul? You might even ask that in your own life. Lord, why do you wait so long to come to me? Well, I think he's testing your faith. I think he lets you get to a point, and then he shows up. During the dark times when we're waiting for the Lord, he comes at just the right time. Gusick says, Jesus knew exactly where Paul was. He had not lost sight of Paul because he was in jail. See, God knows where you are at all times. God hasn't lost track of any of you. He knows exactly where you are. He doesn't misplace you. Where's Dave? Oh, wait a minute. Let's see. Not like me. I misplace everything. We've said this before that God's timing is perfect. He's never early. He's never late. He's right on time. The Lord comes at our lowest point, and he comes with encouragement. He says, take courage, Christian. Take courage. Second thing I see is the Lord stood by him. The Lord came and stood by Paul. The psalmist wrote in 46.1, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in time of trouble. His presence is the help in time of trouble. He came and stood by Paul, and that made all the difference in the world. Maybe you've had this experience, maybe you haven't. You've been going through a really difficult time. You've been going through a a tremendous amount of pressure. There's a difficult time. I don't know what it is, but you've been praying. You've been praying, and in your prayer, or somebody calls you, or you go to a verse or something, and all of a sudden, this enormous, immense peace washes over you. That's the presence of the Lord. That's the presence of the Lord saying, hey, I'm here. I'm here to guide you through this. As we follow Christ, he stands beside us. It was Christ's presence that made that dungeon light up. It was the presence of Jesus Christ because Christ is the light in the midst of darkness. Christ is the hope in the midst of gloom. And Christ is the joy in the midst of sadness. He's all those things to us. When we comprehend just how close he is to us, we become like Paul, revived, restored, and refreshed ready to face the next obstacle. Jesus came and stood by Paul when Paul felt deserted, when Paul felt he was all alone. The Lord was with him. David in Psalm twenty-two eleven said, Be not far from me, for trouble is near, for there is none to help. When everyone else deserts you and everybody else fails you, the Lord never will. He will always be there for you. We know from Hebrews thirteen five, he will never leave us nor forsake us. So we see the Lord's timing, perfect. His presence is an encouragement. The next thing we see is the Lord encouraging through his word. Yes, there's encouragement through the word of God. 
And if you're depressed, if you're struggling, you need to turn to the Word of God. You need to turn to see what God says about your struggles. See how God wants to get you out of your struggles. Look at the Lord's words. Be of good cheer. Jesus, I'm hurting here. I'm really having a difficult time here, and you're telling me to be of good cheer? I'm, I'm really hurting. He says, be of good cheer. But the Greek word actually is only one word. It's tarsheo. And it describes someone as taking courage. In fact, a lot of translations translate it as take courage. Take courage, Paul. Can you imagine what this did for the apostle? Here he is in a dark Roman cell. He's depressed. Things haven't been going the way he planned. He's thinking he's failed, thinking he's left, let the Lord down. And the Lord himself comes, stands by him and says, take courage. Be of good cheer. Wow. Looking back through the gospel, we see that the Lord uses these words four times. Be of good cheer or take courage. To the man with palsy in Matthew 9, 2. To the woman who suffered the issue of blood in Matthew 9, 22. He called out to the disciples in the midst of the storm in Matthew 14, 27. And he repeats it to the disciples in the upper room in John 16, 33. The Lord meets us right where we are, just as he did Paul. When I was a, a, a new Christian, and I was studying the Word of God, and I was dealing with some sin, because I thought when you became a Christian, you wouldn't sin. And I had been dealing with a sin issue. It was right there in my life, and I couldn't understand what was going on. And I had been praying for a long, long time about this sin, and I didn't know what to do about it. And I kept on praying, and I kept on praying. And all of a sudden, I felt like I was supposed to read and look up, be of good cheer. And I basically said the same thing that I said Paul, that, that Paul just said. Lord, I'm dealing with sin here. How can I be cheerful about sin? He said, be of good cheer. So I got my concordance out and I started looking at it and I came to Matthew 9, 22. I mean, excuse me, 9, 2. 9, 2. It's when he's dealing with a man of palsy. Do you know that it's the only place in the four times when Jesus says, be of good cheer, that he follows with, with your sins are forgiven? What was I dealing with? I was dealing with a sin issue. And when I read that, my heart soared. It's like, wow, you can speak to me through your word. You can show me. See, as children of the most high God, we can always be assured that at times of difficulty, no matter how great, we can take courage because the Lord our God is with us wherever we go. We have his word on it. We see this throughout the Old Testament with, with Israel, and we see it throughout the New Testament. So we have encouragement through the Lord's timing. We have encouragement through the Lord's presence. We have encouragement through the word of the Lord. And finally, we see encouragement through his blessings. He says, Paul, for as you have testified for me in Jerusalem, so you must testify of me in Rome. It's interesting here what the Lord doesn't say. What's missing from this verse that the Lord doesn't say? Paul, you blew it. Paul, phew. You didn't do it very well, pal. I see no rebuke from the Lord. I see no rebuke from the Lord. Instead, the Lord commends him. He commends it. Paul, you have testified for me in Jerusalem. He didn't say, boy, what a mess you made. I told you not to go, but no, you wanted to go anyhow. He didn't say any of that. He says, you've completed the task I've sent you. You were my witness in Jerusalem. Now I'm going to give you another task. What's that, Lord? I'm going to send you to Rome. Rome? Gee, 
The psalmist really must have known what he was talking about when he said, delight yourself also in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart because it was Paul's desire to go to Rome. It was Paul's desire to go to Rome. This should be so encouraging to us as Christians. It's so be encouraging because when we do witness, when we, when we come out and we make witness for Christ and we try to witness to others about Jesus' love and it's not received, the Lord is pleased with our witness because we're not responsible how people receive the message. We're responsible to deliver the message. We're responsible to deliver that message. This must have been so reaffirming to Paul. This must have erased all doubts, all second guessing. And he must have been tremendously encouraging. Lord, I'm going to Rome. So probably after the longest, darkest, hardest night of Paul's Christian life, when his heart was aching, he was physically a wreck, emotionally a wreck, spiritually drained, Paul now has newness in life. He has been completely restored. The Lord has given him new courage, new hope. He's given him a renewed faith. A new call, Rome, a new zeal, a new drive. Paul's saying, let's go, Lord, I'm ready. Let's go on this next adventure. I like Oswald Chambers. I read him quite often. I, I try to read him every day. One of his devotions this week, he says this, quote, faith must be tested because it can only become your intimate possession through conflict. What is challenging your faith right now? The test will either prove your faith right or destroy it. Believe steadfastly on the promises of Christ and everything that challenges you will strengthen your faith. His strength is made perfect in our weakness. There is continually testing in the life of faith up to the point of our own physical death, which itself is the last great test. So you should have something to look forward to. Faith is the absolute trust in God, a trust that could never imagine that he would forsake us. You trust God like that? Isaiah told the, told the Israelites, fear not. For the Lord is with you. Be not dismayed. For the Lord is your strength. He will strengthen you. He will help you. He will uphold you with his righteous hand. Jesus said to the disciples and to all of us, Lo, I am with you even until the end of the age. You know, I wish I could stand up here and tell you that everything is okay. I wish I could stand up here and tell you and we're all going to live happy lives. I wish I could stand up here as a motivational speaker and tell you what a wonderful life it's going to be. Well, it will be if you're in faith, but guess what? Some of us will and have and are now facing horrible, frightening circumstances. We're not immune to trouble. The disciples weren't immune to trouble. They faced all kinds of fearful trouble. They faced tax collectors without money. They crossed the lake in the midst of the storm. They were placed in a wilderness where the multitude didn't have anything to eat. In each case, they used all their human resources, but that was insufficient. Christ was with them, and he was the only resource that they needed. You know, fear strikes when our resources run out. When our resources are depleted, fear comes in. When we've exhausted all our human efforts, when we've exhausted all our strength, when we've exhausted all our schemes and all our plots on how to try to fix things, and when we try all those things, even when all your money's gone, take courage, Christian. The Lord is the resource you need. You know, the answer to this fear is the realization of his presence. His presence with you. He will stand with you in the midst of the storm. He will stand with you when you're not afraid. He will, or when you are afraid. He will be the strength during the lone night. When everybody else walks away, he will stay. And he will be there. You don't think David knew what he was talking about when he said, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Well, why, David? Why won't you fear evil? Because he is with me. He is with me. You know, as Christians, we face 
many confusing situations that we don't always understand. Things happen for no apparent reason. You get fired. You get sick. There's an accident. A loved one may, may pass away. A relationship may sour. All these things happen. The more we try to figure out, the more confused we get. The Lord says, be of good cheer. Take courage. Have hope. The disciples were saddened because Jesus says, I'm going away. I'm leaving. I'm going away. They wanted to know where he was going. In 14.1 of John, he says, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Jesus gives a cure for the troubled heart. Believe in him. Trust in him fully. I don't understand, but trust in him. Things are not what they seem. It seems that things are out of hand. Don't worry. Jesus is saying, I'm in control. It seems that all is lost. Don't worry. Don't fret. I'm providing a way where there is no way. It seems that the darkness and the powers of darkness have prevailed, Christ. He's saying, don't worry. I've already won the victory. Then, in the same passage in John 14, Jesus takes the disciples' eyes off of the situation with him leaving, and he places their eyes on what is down the road, what is coming. He said, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And guess what? I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go, I'm going to come again and take you with me so that where I am, you can be also. He directed their attention to the future. He gave them hope. And this is what Christ does for us. He gives us hope when there is no hope. You know, we spend too much time looking back. We spend too much time looking around when we need to look ahead. We spend too much time looking down. We spend too much time looking out the window when we need to look up. We need to look up. Quit trying to figure it out. Stop trying to figure it out. It isn't necessary to understand God's ways. We find it so hard to rest in faith. I guarantee that if you understood what God was planning right now, you might be in a panic. You very well might be in a panic if you know what he was planning today. See, God's working on a completely different value system than we are. He's working on a completely different plane than we are. He has something better down the road. His plan will be complete. And his plans are eternal, not temporal. His plans are eternal for the eternal purpose that he has planned. Yet faith is the only place we can go to find rest. Take courage, Christian. Take courage in him. Is your strength slipping away? Can't hold on much longer? Don't be afraid. He's there. He's an ever-present help in time of trouble. Have your friends let you down when you were needing them? Maybe somebody else has let you down. Maybe I've let you down. Is the load too heavy for you? Don't be dismayed. He's here to carry the load. There's no way you can possibly sink out of his hand. Listen, if the span of the world is in here, his fingers, if the span of the world is like this, what do you think this does? Nailed to a cross. He's holding you. He has you right where you're supposed to be in his palm. Take courage, Christian. Take courage. You are You've been listening to Pastor Dave on Assure Hope. Pastor Dave is working his way through the book of Acts. Did you know that the first martyr for Jesus was a great man of faith? His name was Stephen, and he was bold and courageous to proclaim the name of Jesus to others. He wasn't afraid to tell the truth. 
even when it cost him his life? What courage in the midst of opposition? Do you think you could do the same in this day and age? It's hard to stand up for Jesus when everyone around you is telling you you're intolerant, unloving, and just looking to put people down if you tell them they're doing something wrong. But what makes things right or wrong is firmly rooted in Scripture. It's God's Word that should direct morality, and Stephen was unafraid to go there. If you like this message and would like to catch up on any message you may have missed, head over to AsureHopeRadio.com. There you'll find many messages from the Book of Acts, as well as other series. If you find yourself in the Cape May, New Jersey area, stop in and see us. All the information you need is on our website, location, directions, and service times. And if you prefer to call, you can do that too. Our number is 609-884-5821. Once more, that's 609-884-5821. We'd be happy to answer any questions over the phone. Well, that's all we have time for today, but we've loved spending this time with you. We look forward to the next edition of A Sure Hope.